Support for IPR comes from Orchestra Iowa, presenting Pops on the River, an outdoor concert experience with songs from the Eagles featuring the Seven Bridges Band and the entire symphony. June 1st at McGrath Amphitheater. Tickets at orchestraiowa.com. Today is Monday. It is the 19th of December. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. The head of the Iowa Democratic Party plans to step down in the wake of a vote by the National Party to boot the Iowa caucuses out of the early window of states that pick a presidential nominee. Ross Wilburn announced Saturday that he will not run for re-election as party chairman in January. In addition to losing their first-in-the-nation status, Iowa Democrats lost several key races last month as Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds and U.S. Senator Chuck Grassley cruised to re-election, and two longtime Democratic state office holders lost their positions. The next chairman will lead Iowa Democrats as they decide whether to comply with the National Party's decision or follow a state law that requires the caucuses to be held at least eight days before any other presidential nominating contest. The DNC Rules and Bylaws Committee voted this month to make the state's Going early, be South Carolina, New Hampshire, and Nevada on the same day, then Georgia, and then Michigan. Starting today, applications are open for a program aiming to get $600 in direct cash assistance into the hands of meatpacking plant and farm workers. IPR's Zachary Oren-Smith has those details. During the pandemic, meatpacking workers in Iowa were part of the long list of essential workers exempted from COVID-19 lockdowns. The USDA is partnering with local organizations to get assistance checks directly into the hands of those workers. Activist group Escuchame Vos was granted $1.3 million from the Farm and Food Workers Relief Grant Program. They say they will distribute $600 checks to 1,800 workers in places like Iowa City, Columbus Junction, West Liberty, Muscatine, and Washington. Sylvia Juarez has worked at the Tyson Meatpacking Plant for 18 years. She's an organizer with the Scuchimi Vos. Some people, they really need the money, you know. 600 is not much, right, but it's a good thing. The Scuchimi Vos will hold multilingual application clinics across southeastern Iowa. Colder temperatures are definitely here, and that means some Iowans can now qualify for financial assistance for their heating bills. IPR's Catherine Wheeler tells us last year set records for the number of applications. The Low Income Home Energy Assistance Program, or LIHEAP, helps to pay the heating bills for families or individuals and can also provide emergency funds for repairs. Bill Marquis is the Energy Assistance Bureau Chief for the Iowa Department of Human Rights. He says last year the program was still using extra funds through federal pandemic relief. That means more people got more help. During the pandemic, we were able to offer uh, up to $3,000 to assist with a crisis. And now we're maxed at 500 on that. And, and that's a significant difference. But Marquis says that extra funding has run out. He says so far this year, the program has about half of the amount of applications they did at the end of last year. Applications are open through April and people can apply through their local community action agency. And pretty soon this week, high temperatures are going to be in the single digits to the mid-20s across the state. And all three of Iowa's public universities will stop posting TikToks to comply with Governor Kim Reynolds' ban on the app on state devices. The Board of Regents has ordered the campuses to immediately remove the TikTok app from university-controlled devices and stop posting content on all TikTok accounts. Reynolds banned TikTok from state-owned devices last week. Her order follows a pattern of GOP governors across the country who have begun banning the app, claiming the Chinese-owned company is a cybersecurity risk. 
Collectively, the official TikTok accounts of the University of Iowa, University of Northern Iowa, and Iowa State University Athletics have nearly 174,000 followers and 2.8 million likes. Each account has not posted since December 14th. This is Here First from IPR News. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Last year, more than 5,000 Native women were reported as missing across the country. It's a national public health crisis known as Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, and it has also touched Iowa's Indigenous communities. As IPR's Kendall Crawford reports, local Native communities across Iowa are coming together to find justice for their relatives and to prevent more women from falling to the epidemic. A small postcard is the last thing that Jess Lopez Walker's family received from her aunt. Paulette Walker of the Winnebago tribe sent it after moving to California in 1984. And then nothing. Lopez Walker says her disappearance left a hole in the family especially for her mother. When they were younger, they used to um, tickle each other's lips and face, you know, when they were getting ready to sleep. And when my mom sleeps, she does that to herself. When you watch her, like, you know, she's missing a part of her. Her family suffered a long time, not knowing what happened. That's until Lopez Walker took it upon herself to investigate. She scoured the internet for answers and worked with a missing persons advocate to find her. In 2019, she confirmed her aunt was murdered. Now she's bringing Paulette home to Sioux City to be buried on the nearby Winnebago Reservation. When you lose a family member, you want that that connection with them, that last goodbye with them, just to be able to kind of connect with their spirit. Murder is the third leading cause of death for Native women, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And a 2016 report by the National Institute of Justice showed around 85% of Indigenous women experience violence in their lifetimes. Over the last four years, Native Americans made up 1.5% of missing persons cases in the state, but only a half a percent of the population. To Trisha Ettinger, that's unacceptable. Native women and girls, our relatives, are not expendable. We are human beings. Etchinger is the director of operations of the Great Plains Action Society, a statewide organization devoted to addressing Native issues. She's part of a team of Native Americans in Sioux City who have been leading efforts to raise awareness on the public health crisis through workshops and panels. Because if we don't, it's just going to keep continuing. And so we have the power. Us as Native communities have that power to create those solutions. Part of the solution for Etchinger is making sure families have the resources they need to find their missing loved ones. The Great Plains Action Society is using mutual aid efforts to do just that. This October, Sioux City residents crowded into the Urban Native Center. They grabbed flyers with the face of a missing Native woman to post throughout the town. Are you going to go on like Dakota Ave? Josh Taylor worked alongside Great Plains Action Society to organize the search party. He says it's about taking a proactive approach to elevate the stories of missing Indigenous women. Hey, I don't want them to go through what my family has gone through for years. 
His aunt, Terry McCauley, of the Omaha tribe, was murdered in Sioux City in 1983. Her case remains unsolved to this day. Taylor's own experience of watching his family struggle for answers inspires him to help others. We're going to do everything in our, within our power to help them mm-hmm. and ease their pain and, and whatever discomfort they have. Taylor was able to help that family locate their missing loved one, but he's still waiting for justice for his aunt. Local law enforcement have a primary suspect, but only circumstantial evidence. The family wants an indictment. In May, signs and t-shirts bore the face of Terry McCauley as Native residents marched to demand answers from law enforcement. The Sioux City Police Department says it's working with the county attorney's office on moving the case forward after recent DNA testing brought up no new results. Taylor says the march shows how Native communities often have to use their own voices and resources to keep law enforcement accountable. This, this is a prime example of, of a case of an Indigenous woman that has been pushed to the side for several years. And accountability is only muddied by jurisdictional issues. That's the case for the disappearance of Iowa Native Rita Papaki. The Meskwaki woman was last seen at the Eastern Iowa Tribal Settlements Casino in 2015. Tribes are under federal jurisdiction, meaning they can't rely on state resources in missing persons cases. Police Chief Mark Baer says help from agencies like the Federal Bureau of Investigation often takes more time than state assistance. I mean, these guys and gals are handling stuff all over the country, so that might that means you're in competition with other entities that may need that same assistance. They're serving more people. So you start to worry about where you're prioritizing. But the small rural community has found ways to keep Papaki's case alive. There are annual walks in her honor. An organization called RISE was formed to help tackle violence against Indigenous women. And the community is funding an award for any information known about the case. It's up to $100,000 today, all of which Olivia Walker hopes can bring more awareness. It's really thinking about how we shift the culture to be a little bit more focused on prevention. Walker is Papaki's relative. She says she remembers her cousin as a loving mother, as someone she always looked up to. It's hard for her to attend family birthday parties or outings without feeling the weight of her loss. Some people struggle every day with her not being here. Like a lot was taken away from our family when they took her away. And we would like to send her home. That's why she shares Papaki's story and will again and again and again. She doesn't want another family going through this. I'm Kendall Crawford, IPR News. This is Here First from IPR News. Find this podcast wherever you subscribe to them. I'm Clay Masters. Thanks for listening.